0: back to the prepared mindset podcast i'm your host austin got another episode for you guys this week great episode uh really applicable topic uh given everything that's going on right now across the country uh you know it's been making headlines uh pretty much everywhere regardless you know of what news outlet you're looking at but um you know got these massive winter storms that are just now you know they're clearing up and we're we're seeing the recovery phase in motion in those, you know, really, uh, hard hit areas in the South, like Louisiana and Texas that didn't really have infrastructure in place. So <clears throat> it felt like it was just appropriate to do some discussion on, on cold weather prepping. You know, uh, we're, we're based here in the Metro Detroit area up here in Michigan, the, the you know, the great white North. And honestly, this is the warm part of the state really, but. We're used to this, right? You know, you saw the memes. Um, what was it? Uh, to, to the southern states. Um, and please let us know how you're enjoying your trial run of Michigan or, or you know, something stupid like that. Because we, we get this. You know, we get a foot of snow. We get 20-degree weather. We get, you know, all of it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're used to it up here. We're, um, pardon the pun, we're, we're numb to it, you know. States down south, you guys aren't man. And I got an uncle that lives in uh, Tennessee that told us when we went down there to visit, and this was probably 15 years ago, <clears throat> that they uh, that they'll cancel school for an inch of snow. And we laughed. We go, come on, seriously? And they go, no, no, seriously. We, they don't have salt or anything, or you know, or sand and stuff readily available there to do the roads, and the buses can't get up the because everything there is so uh, hilly and mountainous, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the vehicles can't can't get up and down, uh, the roads easily and safely, more importantly than that, uh, safely with kids. So if they got, they got an inch of snow, no matter how cold it is or isn't or whatever, you know, if there's snow or any kind of ice or anything, they, they cancel school. Um, I mean, think about it. I mean, it makes sense if you, if it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, look at in, in the Dallas, Texas area, whatever. Uh, this was historic. This was record setting for them. Uh, They've never had to declare a winter weather emergency before, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of homes, businesses, uh, out of power, no water, you know, no heat in the middle of this, you know, 20 degrees, 30 degrees outside, you know, inside the house, it's probably, you know, at least that in some instances, you know, colder, just depending on how well your home is or isn't insulated. Um, you got a newborn. I mean, it's, it's tough, right? So. <clears throat> this is uh, obviously very uh, pertinent with everything going on, so take an opportunity to talk about it. Um, it it's important to have nesse- you know the necessary precautions taken because uh, you know, and this, that's what this is all about, right? Is planning for the what if, not the could it, will it? You know, it's easy to say that'll never happen. You know, uh, we talk a lot about shooting and defense here, right? Oh, I'll, I'll never get robbed. Oh, I'll never be. in a situation that's a potential, you know, mass shooter situation, I'll never be, whatever. Probability says that you're right. However, um, real world experiences lead us to believe the contrary, right? And you want to be ready. We want to be prepared for that when it comes, you know, when it comes along, you want to have the supplies on hand prior to any kind of emergency. Um, the training, whatever. You know, the, so that you're ready to go, you can just jump into action, so to speak, really. Are you going to enjoy it? Probably not. I'm just being honest. You know, uh, I have dealt with cold weather emergencies before in varying degrees and I can tell you at no point did I enjoy any of it <clears throat> just because I'm used to the cold weather does not mean that I enjoy the cold weather. And most people up here will tell you the same thing. Um, you, you know, you're no winter sports. That's, that's different. Um, you know and and those are a whole different breed of people themselves uh but the average person you know we don't look forward to snow blowing and shoveling snow and the frigid weather um so let's let's just let's start talking about this you know what's the most important thing um really i don't know if there's any one most important thing but let's start with uh you know food and rations you know drinks preparation okay um it's easy to say, well, you got water in the tap, so you got that, and then, you know, as long as we got some stuff in the house, we can cook. Well, okay, so now if you if you take away water, right, let's say the water supply is cut off because maybe you live in an older home and uh, your pipe's frozen burst. So now you have no water, or the water main up the street froze and burst, or whatever, you know, um, you don't have any water, okay? And if the gas goes down because everyone's trying to crank up the heat in their homes, and they shut down the gas lines or they overregulate, they regulate it, whatever. You're kind of not looking at the same set of circumstances you normally are. So, you know, um, I seen articles online and stuff, people were taking shovels and buckets full of snow and they were taken into their, their sink, um, their, their bathtubs, filling their bathtubs and stuff with, with snow. So that when it melted, they had water to use either to, to drink um, to make food with, to clean, I guess, with, if you had to, uh, you know, and, and something to, to think about with that is water expands as it freezes, right? Most liquids, if you, you recall your days in, in your, your basic schooling, most liquids contract when, when frozen, right? Water expands when frozen, Okay. That's why you don't ever fill your ice cube trays all the way up to the top, because if you do, it'll over, you know, when it freezes, you'll have one big ice tray block block of ice instead of several cubes. So the reverse then is also true, right? <clears throat> when it melts and that's not just ice, that's snow, right? When it melts, your, your bathtub full of snow is not, is not now a bathtub full of water your bathtub full of snow has turned into a, you know, maybe a third to a quarter way full of water. Okay. And that's something to think about because how many times over, if you're trying to get drinking water gathered, how many times over are you going to have to fill that to fill a gallon? Or if you have a family, multiple gallons of water B, how clean is that water? Do you have a purification system? Do you have, um, you know bleach that you can mix in with it do you, do you know the the computation the you know how much the ratio that you need of uh bleach to water to purify it it do you have a life straw right those are survival camping type tools you can drink water you know because i know it's snow and for years you know the working theory was oh it's rainwater it's clean it's it's more pure well i mean yes and no with all the crap that we put out into the atmosphere these days yeah in theory It's clean water, but it's all, you know, who's to say? I mean, you can risk it. I'm sure it's probably not that big of a deal. Uh, You know, I don't even want to say that because I'm probably wrong. Do you have a way to purify it, right? Um, Boiling is pretty much out of the option because, well, one, you lose some water to evaporation, which is already the issue. Um, But B, if you don't have gas or power, your gas or electric stove, you won't be able to do that. So that's, again, that's another um it's another hurdle to overcome right in this process you can plan for one thing like you know heating the water to boil it or whatever but if you don't have access to that do you have a contingency backed up most of us i would like to say most people have bleach in their house to some degree you know and you could probably figure it out in a pinch but are you really ready for it and something else to think about now is um how long is it going to take you to, to get that drinking water or that usable water resource? Cause water doesn't just, you don't just dump it in the tub and it melts. It, it takes time to melt, especially if it's in that a quantity. So even if it's only half an hour or an hour, then how you're spending your time, <clears throat> you know, bottling it, whatever, we're looking at some serious time invested. And if you have kids and stuff, that means that what's more than likely happening is while they're sleeping at night, you know, I would assume if you're a two parent household, you're, You know, one of you keeping the fire going overnight, if you have a fireplace, which I hope to God, most people did, um, you can keep a fire going. Um, and the other one is sitting in the bathroom, bottling up water, trying to make sure there's enough water to drink and, you know, do whatever you got to do with wash your hands. God knows we're in the middle of a global pandemic right now. That's also an issue. Uh, oh, and let's not forget flushing the toilet. You have to fill the water tank yourself because the water's off that means your toilet doesn't flush but one time and people still eat and drink which means people still go to the bathroom which is a pretty big one on the list of stuff you got to take care of i think you guys mostly agree with me um <clears throat> then also make sure you have non-perishables on hand right you know do you have food that can be made with you know some water um do you have food that can be made uh Without a microwave, you know, I don't, I don't want to say everyone's got to be sitting here eating MREs and stuff, but this is also why we talk about dried fruits and stuff being good, you know, to, to have things like raisins sometimes, um, granola bars, granola in general, dry goods, like, uh, like nuts, almonds and peanuts, they got protein. Again, none of this is ideal and it's not really going to be a long-term sustainment or, you know, but having something there is is good. <clears throat> and then maybe if you have a camping stove, maybe if you have an alternative, um, source of power you can use to make some, I mean, I don't know, ramen noodles or something. I mean, I, something's better than nothing in that situation, obviously, but do you have that kind of stuff on hand? Um, that's, you really do have to look at it that way. Um, stuff like rice we you can buy in a large quantity, easy to store. Is it the greatest meal in the world? No, but you don't really have a whole lot of, uh, alternatives. Um, the next, the next thing I had on the, to talk about really is, is gasoline. And I think it's something that's taken for granted for a lot of reasons. Most people keep a one gallon gas can in their garage, uh, which if you're like me, you try to make sure it's full most of the time, but realistically it's usually half a half a gallon or less. You know, it's, it's for lawn equipment, right? You're mowing your lawn, you're trimming the, the hedges, the shrubs, whatever you got going on, a weed whip. Whatever, <clears throat> but that can be used to run a household generator. Okay, my parents, grown up, my dad took a class through work or something where they taught you how to build and uh, disassemble and rebuild and, and troubleshoot generators. So, as part of the course curriculum, you were you were allowed to keep the generator that you worked on and built, right? So that was cool. Um, and we did have in a couple of the real hot summer months um, when I remember growing up, we we pulled the generator out. We were able to hook it up to. Uh, the house and we were able to run an extension cord so we could at least keep the fridge going so food didn't spoil because that was really that's the big one right um is making sure the food didn't go bad i mean in the summer you can you know we had a neighbor with a pool so you go cool down there i actually remember my freshman year yeah my freshman year of uh band camp right hold the jokes <laughs> i was so i was in northern michigan uh where they have a co-op up there for power and stuff so when we had the the massive brown out or blackout of oh three uh, we still had power up there, these little shitty rinky dink cabins. We were in there were, you know, we had Christmas lights running in there and the, you know, the kitchen was a, everybody, we were just, life is normal. We had next to no idea anything was going on, um, until about a day and a half in when one of the staff members told everybody because they got a phone call about it, <clears throat> but my, you know, you didn't, you ran the generator as best you could. Gas stations were out of power. So whatever gas you had was what you had. Um. You you went and bought as much ice as you could find, and uh, I think they they said they wound up hanging out at the neighbor's house, in the pool, in and out of the pool most of the day, hanging out, just drinking, kicking back. I mean, what else are you gonna do, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, depending on your your setup with the generator, um, runs off gas. Now, if you have one of these plumbed in ones off of natural gas, if natural gas is still running and not the situation you had in Texas, okay, that could be fine. Um, that generator can then kick in and can run your furnace. You have power to your stove and stuff. that's, they're a good idea to have. They're just expensive to get, um, the other consideration for this. Okay. And I ran into this personally, cause I was not ready. Um, you know, and I feel like we get this a lot with weather people, right? Oh, Hey, six inches of snow coming, eight inches, 10 inches, whatever, you know, of snow coming. And then you get half of that and it's like, yeah, you guys are right. Half the time. I don't know how you people keep your jobs, right? All the, the jokes go on about, um, the reliability of weather people, right? So we have a snowblower. Um, I did not have any two cycle gas, which any of you guys that that own a snowblower, that's a two cycle or, or really any, um, you know, two stroke, two cycle motor. Uh, it's a gas oil mix that it runs off of normal gasoline will jack your shit up. You can't run it off normal gas, right? So usually you have a second gas tank with you can mark it with marker or it's a different color or something like, Hey, Hey, stupid. Don't put me in the, in the lawn mower. You know? Um, I know growing up, we had a metal one that was the mix that we never touched because we never did any of the extra stuff. My dad always did that. It was for our edger. And I think maybe the weed whip was the edger. We had a couple, uh, and, yeah. And the snow blower. Okay. All ran off of that gas. Um, and we just used the regular plastic one that had normal gas in it for mowing the lawn when we were growing up. Um, So talking about snowblowers, okay, here recently we got dumped on. We got like 10 or 11 inches of snow, and I was not able to run my snowblower because I had no gas. Let me tell you how awesome it was to, and I'm 31 years old. I'm in relatively good shape, good health, uh, you know, able-bodied and all that. Because we'd already had so much snow this year, I was running out of places to put it along the side of my driveway where I'm at, there's not a whole lot of easement on between that, you know, the side of the driveway and the neighbor's house. And he has a a privacy fence too, which gives you even less space then to kind of move that snow out of the way. So I ended up shoveling just straight down my whole driveway until I got out to where the yard is, um, which is probably a good, at least 40 feet. Um, and at one point I was moving a pile of snow that was three and a half feet tall. And it took me an hour and a half to do just the driveway, not even the whole backside of the house. We have a patio and stuff, just the driveway. Thank God my neighbor who has a snowblower was nice enough to come through and he did the sidewalk, did a sweep down and a sweep back. So all I had to do was basically just do the last like four inches. And that was just because I, you know, it irks me to have people that will do like a shovel's width and, and call that done on the sidewalk, you know, do do the sidewalk, man. People walk their dogs, people are out walking and stuff, especially during the pandemic, trying to get outside. I digress. Um, but it took me an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes just to shovel out my driveway. Right. Um, and my front porch, it would have definitely been probably two hours, if not a little over had I had to do my sidewalk as well. Um, and I did shovel out into the street a bit so that my wife didn't have a big old hunk of uh hump of snow i guess at the bottom of the driveway um those of you guys that don't live in states where you get a lot of snow blowing uh snow plowing when they plow snow it gets pushed up the end of your driveway they just come down the, straight down the middle of your street and that's it so it's like once you finish shoveling if once they come through and plow you got to go out and shovel out the bottom of your driveway again otherwise if you keep driving over you get like a, a rut of snow built up at the the, the end of your driveway which if you drive a small vehicle or a low clearance vehicle, you can get stuck on that trying to get into your driveway. Um, or if your tires aren't in good shape, you you won't get enough traction. You'll have to really work just to get up your driveway. Um, it's a real pain in the ass. Um, yeah. So that took me an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes. I came in and I got my jacket off. I had a zip up like fleece hoodie underneath that took that off and I was completely soaked, uh, through my t-shirt that I was wearing. Um, you know, and that's another thing to, to consider is that you're actually more likely to uh, get dehydrated in the cold because your body's working so much harder to keep your, your core temperature up and stuff. Um, so that's, that's another consideration. You're out, you know, and you don't have that gas or whatever. You can't just, oh, well, I'll run to the gas station. It, even if the gas station has power, how are you going to get your vehicle out? Like I drive a Jeep and in 11 inches of snow, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I probably would be able to make it work but it's not ideal. Um, and I don't know. Um, <clears throat> you know, we just recently got lease vehicles. My wife and I knew, uh, lease vehicles and she drove a small Chevy Cobalt before this definitely wouldn't have been an option for her to just, you know, Oh, well I'll just go get gas and come back and then we can snow blow. No, cause you won't be able to get out. You're going to have to shovel your way out. And that's just to go get gas, right? What if you had to get out to take somebody to the hospital? go get food, go try and find food. Maybe you lost power. So you're going to go to your, your in-laws or your brothers, or your sisters, or your friend's house, where they have power 30 minutes away or an hour away. Cause you got a small kid and you can't stay where you're at. Well, you just gonna have to suck it up and stay there until somebody shovels you out, which could, like I was saying, it could be, it's not going to be 10 minutes, you know, it could be an hour, it could be two hours, it just depends. Um, so having that stuff on hand that you don't get caught the way I did, you know, and I'm not embarrassed to say it cause it happens to all of us, but I didn't have it on hand. Like I should have. Now I fixed that <clears throat> the next day, <laughs> you know, we were all shoveled out, <clears throat> made sure we had it on hand. Oh, we're just to get more snow this week. Fine. Make sure we have it. It ended up only being like two inches of snow. So we didn't need it for the snowblower, but not gonna let it happen again. Okay. Something else to consider firewood or duraflame logs and i know i get i got a friend that likes to shit on me for using duraflames instead of going out and chopping wood and i'm like well i mean do i live in in a subdivision all right you can't chop the trees down here the city finds and tickets you for that so a case of duraflames is like 25 bucks which is about half the price of a quart of wood roughly um but a lot easier to store so you know um if the electricity and the gas go out, that's no furnace, right? I just, we were talking about that just a minute ago. Um, you know, and I've had friends, uh, in the February months here, you know, February, March time beginning of the year where it's super cold, it's 17 and 20 degrees outside and their furnace shit on them just quit. And, you know, when it gets that cold in the winter, everyone's furnace is overworked. There's lots of work going on. People are calling these furnaces, these HVAC companies to get that tech out. It could be a day or two before they they just have the resources to get somebody out to you. You know, and he had a, a three-year-old living with with him and his, uh, and his girlfriend. And so, thank God he, he had a wood-burning stove uh, that came in the house, and it's plumbed in and piped in the house. And, uh, you know, they, they had electricity still just no heater so they were able to run a space heater in the kids room and the rest of the house you know just keep that thing going with firewood i mean he lost some sleep making sure it was going all night but you know thank god you know i got a couple friends that have those in their house and it's a great thing to have i know people look at it now and they go seriously a wood burning stove and that's kind of you know people look at like it's a fashion thing well no it's it's actually makes a lot of sense because it's it's like analog versus digital you know um It doesn't go down, right? You lose power, you lose gas. That still works because a match and some firewood will will still burn. And the laws of physics don't change in these situations. So having that stuff is pretty essential. I mean, for one, yeah, it heats the home. You got kids and stuff. I mean, you could cook over it if you if you have the you know the setup to do it. If you have a true wood burning stove versus a fireplace. Um, but it's just a fireplace. You guys can huddle up and sleep around that. I was just listening to a podcast, uh, I want to say last weekend, <clears throat> where Mike Glover from Fieldcraft was talking about his home. Uh, I think he said it was in Colorado, which is an older, ho- older home, not good insulation, lost power. It was like 17 degrees in his house, and he basically stayed up all night to keep the the fire going in the fireplace just to make sure he didn't you know, freeze. Um, and, and he's a grown man who's well versed in, in, all this stuff. I mean, it happens guys like this, this kind of thing happens and you got to have firewood. You gotta, and, and honestly, if you have a fireplace and you don't use it, I don't, I don't know why they're great. They're comforting even in normal circumstances, <clears throat> the ambiance and everything. Like I love mine. It was my wife's favorite thing about this house was our fireplace. That's why we opted for this home over a couple others, but, um, make sure you guys have it on hand again, whether it's regular firewood and it, or a Duraflame log, uh, you know, cases of that or something. And, and if it's normal firewood, I say normal, if it's firewood, really make sure that you guys are storing that someplace dry. Um, preferably elevated off the ground, I would say probably at least a couple inches off the ground. Um, so it doesn't collect moisture and, uh, the wood dries out properly. Wet wood won't burn. Okay. Um, and and i guess also worth mentioning um you want it to be untreated there's scrap wood you can burn scrap two by fours and scrap wood and stuff if it's varnished or treated or any of that stuff it stinks it smokes it is not at all good to be burning in your home so stay away from that stuff you got unfinished or untreated uh wood left over from a home project okay probably get away with that um in addition to whatever like actual firewood you have um anything treated just stay away from it especially if you got kids you know it's just not healthy for anybody um and make sure you have a way to start the fire which seems kind of uh intuitive to say make sure you have a way to start it but you'd be surprised how many people don't okay you can buy i know at costco you can buy it's like a three pack or a five pack of those like the long stick lighters that you use just for lighting fires Um, some have the flexible necks on them, which you don't really, you don't really need it, but fine. Or even just a Bic lighter. I recommend keeping a handful of those around the house. You know, I got some in a a go bag. Uh, they're good in, uh, medical kits. If you ever had to sterilize a needle, if you're somebody knows what you're doing with stitches or anything like that, it's just something nice to have. Or if you gotta start a fire, right? Um, and past that, if a normal lighter is not doing it, you can also use household stuff to start it. you know, you can try lighting some new circulars and getting those shoved up underneath your, uh. Your stack of logs uh another thing you can do uh you, you can make pet balls if you have the stuff on hand which is cotton balls and vaseline and you kind of just pull apart the cotton ball and get the little fibers out there and those will catch real quick but the vaseline will burn for a good long time so you get one of those going with some kindling like a you know, newspaper or circular or there's some whatever you got to do um and that'll get a good enough flame going you can catch the rest of your pile uh and get that fire going um and those are the pet balls things this is a nice thing to have you can um i think the book i read i believe it was the clint emerson book on survival but uh it might have been a different one i don't know you can you can store them in like a pill bottle like you know six seven of those things in there and a bunch of vaseline and it's kind of goopy and nasty but you'd be damn you know glad you have it when you need it right you know and this kind of all just carries together um you know, just plan ahead guys. I know that's really what we're talking about here in general, obviously is planning ahead for this stuff, but make sure you have laundry done. Um, food and meal prep, you know, laundry is essential because <clears throat> if you don't have clean, I mean, you can wear dirty clothes obviously, but if it's an extended period of time, you're gonna be doing that enough as it is. So you want to have clean and I guess more so dry, um, clothes for, your base layers and your your extra layers, right? Socks, jackets, hoodies. Um if you lose heat and everything, blankets. And it sounds dumb, but yeah, blankets. Make sure you have extra blankets in your home. I can think of a handful of people. I'm pretty positive right now I know that have one blanket in their home and that's the one that's on their bed and that's it. You know, have an extra blanket or seven. We got a ton of extra ones here, thanks to my wife. You know, she got some from family. I got a couple from an old job that were like promos. They have company logos and stuff on them, little uh, fleece throw blankets and stuff, but they're great. You know, you lose power, two of them underneath uh, your normal comforter in your bed or something. <clears throat> that it goes a long way. I think we did that um, a couple years back when we had the the you know the negative twenty, negative thirty degree weather here in Michigan. I think it was like three years ago. They wouldn't let at uh, this time. My wife and I worked at the same company. They would not let us come in. They said, "Stay home, y'all got laptops. Stay home, everybody work remote, and we'll update you at the end of the day if you need to come in tomorrow." So <clears throat> I'll never forget this because we were having. <laughs> Um, our flooring redone and our kitchen redone during this project and God love them. The contractors showed up. They were like an hour and a half late cause one of their cars wouldn't start, but they, they showed up and they were going in and out of the house from our house out to our garage and back in cutting up flooring, putting down flooring. And my wife and I were sitting in bed, uh, each with a fleece uh, blanket on us. And then our comforter over our laps with our laptops and the dog was huddled between the two of us for warmth um and that was it that we worked that way for a whole like nine hour day i don't even know what we did for lunch <clears throat> to be honest with you i, I we may have skipped lunch uh, or uh i don't even i don't remember but <clears throat> that it was definitely one of those circumstances where it's like well okay at least we got the house and the heat's still going you know and that was one of those times that the power company regulated you know here everyone turn your thermostats down to 62 to help conserve natural gas and You know, and people some people were pissed about it, rightfully so, because you still pay your bill, you should have access to it. I think there was a fire at one of the local tanks or something. You've got these keyboard warriors jumping up online, you know, telling everybody how they're supposed to live. It's just, you know, shit you don't forget. This is annoying. It's always the people that, you know, don't have kids, don't have any animals, don't have a family or a wife or anything to think about. They're gonna tell everybody else how they need to live their life and they have no right being pissed because we're all suffering together. Like, well, no, we pay a lot here in america for our utilities and we take a lot of it for granted i get it but at the same time like you're paying that money you should be able to hold your your utility companies accountable to provide what you've paid for um god knows you lost your job and couldn't pay your your power bill your gas bill they wouldn't have any problems shutting you off and so (laughs) but i i digress um you know, and to that point, talking about being stuck in the house and everything, um, your, your, your home needs to be prepped too. And that, that same winter, uh, was the first time I ever had an experience. Um, you know, the one we were redoing the kitchen, I was hiding in the bed with my wife and stuff, working from home. Um, it was the first time we ever had a pipe freeze and granted. And, and thankfully nothing burst. Right. Um, but I just I remember going to, going to our half bath, uh, which is the back corner of our house and, you know, taking a leak and going to flush and then it didn't fill i'm jiggling the handle i'm looking in the tank I'm like okay what's going on you know after about 10 minutes here yeah the the pipe froze um go down the basement look around the the ledge you guys have poured concrete uh basements like many of us uh, here in the metro detroit area do um there's a ledge like a shelf where the and then it's the wood foundation for the upper floors and stuff um they ran the copper piping up along the edge and the exterior of the house, which is not typically the the best sealed part of your home either. So you get a lot of cold air coming in and stuff. Um, and copper, it radiates heat, whether it's hot or cold anyways. So, um, I wound up just turning on like a, like a work light and leaving it running down there for a couple hours. And that ended up getting it good enough. I think about six hours later, we heard the water just start flowing again. And, um, you know filling the tank back up and i uh you know put some uh some foam insulation you can buy at the store in long strips it's just it's already pre-molded for pipe all i do is cut it to length and slide it on there um the following winter of course it happened again so i wound up trying to i went in there with some uh, a can of uh, spray foam or two cans of spray foam and just Every seam spot I could find in there backfilled with spray foam, and, and thank god it hasn't been an issue since. Um, and neither time the pipe uh di- didn't burst, thank god. Um, but again, it's just you know, one of the bathrooms in the house, then the the faucet and the toilet weren't working. It's like, well, that sucks. You down to one bathroom, which isn't a huge deal for just my wife and I, but you, you got a family of six people, one bathroom is uh an awful lot sometimes, especially if somebody. You know, takes a dump, and everyone's got to suffer for a while, right? <clears throat> but um, you know, don't find out the hard way. Look into that stuff. I went um, along the ledge of my whole basement uh, when it got warmer that year, and put spray foam insulation along a lot of the seams as best as I could, anyways, um, to try and you know insulate, and uh, and it also helps you save money on your gas bill and stuff, right? You're you're not losing heat um, in the winter, and you're not losing the cold air uh, in the summer. Um, but it, it's easy enough stuff to do. It sucks. You know, if you're going to do the foam and the spray foam, it's a cool idea. Um, word to the wise, wear gloves because that shit does not come off your skin, your hands. Um, and then also keep like some spare cardboard and a lot of paper towel around to wipe up excess. It drips sometimes, um, you know, ideally you can wipe everything down first, but if you're doing a whole basement, that's a lot of stuff just to wipe down on cobwebs and dust and dirt. So um, gloves, cardboard, paper towel, um, and you know, hit around your windows. That's usually the, the biggest part of it. Um, and around your ledges, um, <clears throat> also your, your, your windows, you know, again, talking about the house we bought, one of the big selling points for us was all but two of the windows in the house. And I think, uh, those two didn't get done because they're like a custom size were new within the last two years or something. Um, which mm-hmm. is a huge expense, right? So windows are a big deal, but it's going to save you money in the long haul. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of sales and marketing material out there that shows it. You, you spend, what is it like five grand on windows or something? And then it takes less than five years for you to make it up on your overall, um, energy bill and savings, which, I mean, if you finance it, whatever, across five years, your monthly payment, you know, you probably, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, but Um, your windows is a a huge place where you lose heat in the winter and where you lose, you know, where your, your home leaks, cold air, hot air, um, depending on the, on the season, that's an easy one to have fixed. You know, the company comes out, they do all the work. All you gotta do is write the check. And in most cases, unless you're doing literally the whole house and you got a shitload of windows, most of the time they can have you done in like a day, maybe two days. It's really not that obtrusive to, to get that taken care of. Um, you know, another thing you can do is we did, we did this, uh, you have your local energy company come out. They, uh, they looked in our attic and they evaluated how much insulation we have or we're missing in our attic. Um, they'll check, you know, for water efficiency. They will actually, uh, they did, they wrapped like uh, six feet out from our water tank with, uh, insulation for free. And, And this is all free, um, on our plumbing and stuff. Um, you know, all kinds of energy efficiency stuff, but also just to make sure that your home's in good shape for, keeping your energy prices down which usually goes hand in hand with you know your home being well insulated and well taken care of uh it and it was all free like i said um and i think we even got because we did that and signed up for like their energy saver pro we got a free um what do you call it the a nest a digital thermostat that we can control with our phones and stuff and when pre-pandemic we were you know going to and from the office we could get ready to leave. It was like a 35 minute commute for me. Um, and you know, both of us, when we were working together, uh, I could just, we could get on our phone on the uh, the, the good old nest app there in the winter and go, Oh, Hey, it's uh, 65 in the house right now. Let's go ahead and crank that up to 70 or 72 or something, or it's 62 in the house right now. Let's get it up to 68. Um, you know, at like four o'clock. So when we got, we left at five, get home by around 530, 540, be mostly back up to temperature for us it's just a nice little convenience thing. And again, it was all free. It didn't cost us any money to have the energy company come in and take a look at that. Um, other considerations, just more from a health standpoint, having your ducks blown out, which I know I'm due for, um, and changing your furnace filter. And the like, guys, that's the air that you're breathing and your kids are breathing. Okay. Uh, which I know I've been guilty in the past of not always changing my filter when I need to, Um, but it's also really easy to put that in the list of things that is just less, less important when you're not spending much time at home. Um, for a lot of us who work a job, you're out of the house 11 to 13 hours a day with commutes and other stuff you had going on. And, you know, so it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Um, I can tell you, I've thought about it way more now that I've spent the last year working from home. It's, it's huge for me, you know, I, and, and keep an extra filter by the, you know, or two. They, they think they sell them in three and five packs. You can buy a whole box of them. I mean, furnace filters are not expensive. Um, if you get the really nice ones, I think at most you're paying like 15 bucks. So drop the $40, get three of them. If you know, it's a real rough month or something or spring and fall with all the dust and allergens in the air. Cool. Maybe you go through one more than you normally do. They should be good for at least a couple months before you got to change them out. <clears throat> and then, you know, you probably feel better too. Especially if you're somebody who's suffering from a lot of allergies and stuff, which kills me because I know I got at least one friend who has severe allergy problems and the dude never changes his furnace filters. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not paying $20 for that. Like, why not, man? You'd probably feel a hell of a lot better. I I don't get it. And that's, it helps, you know, getting your ducts blown out because there's a lot of stuff that collects in your ducts. And again, that's stuff you're breathing and inhaling. So while it may not make you immediately sick, you probably won't feel as good as you could. Okay. Um, we talked about generators and heaters before, but, um, you know, obviously make sure the stuff has gas. And what I, what I want to retouch on this is make sure the adults in the home, or if you have older children beyond just having it, make sure they know how to use it. Um, you know, and I guess for most of your appliances, uh, or devices, whatever you want to call them, uh, a snowblower, you know, if, if it's coming down and you're stuck at work, like my dad used to work. Um, the afternoon shift. Um, so he'd be gone from like one in the afternoon until 10 at night. Well, at six o'clock rolls around and we got eight inches of snow already. Okay. Go out and, you know, snow blow for your mom. Okay. Well, I didn't, we had one of those electric, when electric start snow blowers were first a thing we had one, I didn't know how to do it. Um, you know, cause had a cord you had to hook up and he's, you, you know, then you got to read the manual and as like a 14 year old, you know, I was just like pissed. I had to be doing it. So make sure they know how to use your snow blower. They know how to start the generator. Um, and and also to that point make sure you have the necessary cords for both of those if it is an electric start that needs a cord make sure the cord is where they can get to it and it's easily like identifiable you know these things look all the same to people who don't know what they're looking for right and i'm just thinking right now if my mom ever had to go grab one of the extension cords for something other than just plugging something in we'd be totally screwed because she doesn't know you know which way's up when it comes to some of this stuff so, uh, and make sure that they're the appropriate length too, right? Having an extension cord long enough to run from, cause you do not, if you don't, if this doesn't already seem like common sense, here it is. You do not want to bring your gas generator that, you know, burns gas and has fumes and exhaust and everything that should not be running inside your home. I feel like you probably shouldn't have to say it, but. We all know that we do. Um, so you need to have a cord that is long enough to get from you know outside your back door or outside your breezeway door or whatever um, that can run into your home to where your fridge is. Otherwise, you're gonna have a real great time trying to move your refrigerator to get to the end of that cord. And I mean that could be an, that's another pain in its ass and in its own self. you scratch up your floor. You could break tile. It's just a huge pain. You know, moving it the two, three, four inches to just to be able to get back there and see where the plug is to run the uh, extension cord to is a lot easier than moving it 20 feet. Okay. I've had to do both. Trust me, just spend the money, have the cord and the cord usually has a dual purpose because then you use it with your outdoor stuff when you're doing, um, the shrubs and, you know, or Christmas lights or whatever, you know, what the hell ever you need. Um, but check that stuff out, test it out. I know when my dad brought our generator home after he took his class, like I was talking about, we did a test run here. Let's make sure it still turns on here. I'll show you guys how to use it run the cord in the house we had one or two we, i think we had two extension cords that were long enough and he made sure we knew one was like bright orange i think um or was when it was new it was like orange and black because it was old and dirty but it worked and the other one was uh yellow and old and dirty with uh different connections on the ends uh the heads were replaced because it was an old cord but they were they worked they were safe and they were long enough to reach from our back door through our laundry room and around back into our kitchen where the um the fridge was. Uh, so that's something you really got to think about. Um, just the details, the devils in the details, right? Um, and the last part of this kind of the last extension, um, with this was really, um, your vehicles, you know, everyone wants to focus on the homes and stuff, but then vehicle preps always seems to be kind of secondary. But when you think about if you ever have to leave the house, having your vehicles a hundred percent essential, right? Um, or if, you know, I mean, God forbid the storm starts after you're at work, which I've also had. I've been sent home from work, um, a couple hours early because the, the snow was supposed to be so bad. And I think the last time that they did it pre pandemic, it took me an hour to get home. It took me about twice as long to get home because no one was doing more than 45 on the freeway because the snow was so bad, um, so, if we're, start, if we're talking about vehicles, all right, just off the top of my head, um, jumper cables and a jump box. Okay. That, again, going back to that same winter where we were redoing our kitchen, um, the day they showed up to start doing the work, I had a, it was an old Pontiac, it was an 08 uh, Pontiac Torrent, so like an Equinox. And the uh, battery died, could not get it to start. And it blocked my wife's car in. <laughs> so, uh, luckily, the contractor had a jump box. Um, we were able to get it started later on in the day. And my boss was fine letting me work from home that day, thankfully. Um, but you know, if you need the vehicle to go out get medicine, get food, you know, you're trying to get your family to a, a a place with, with power and utilities and things, and your car's dead. Now you're really screwed because now you got to ask somebody to come from where they're at to brave the elements and the road conditions and all whatever else to come get you. Okay. Um, we already talked about gas, the car runs on gas, right? Um, As a rule of thumb, I try not to let mine get below half a tank just because if something happens and I slide off the road or, or whatever, um, we've seen these massive pile up videos on, on the freeway and I hope to God, I'm never, you know, dealing with any of that stuff. Um, you need gas in the car to run the car. So if you're stuck there for a while, you can still run the car and run the heater. So you're not sitting there freezing. Um, you know, and also if you, if you have to go long distances to get supplies, like you're saying, you know, if you're leaving to go stay with your in-laws or something where they have utility, uh utilities they have power they have heat it could be more than a 10 minute drive away realistically like i know my family is about 15 minutes away but i also have friends that live further than that you know maybe if i had to drive 40 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour and a half to get to where there's power and stuff uh you want to have the gas to do that you don't want to you know if where you're at immediately is out of power that means your gas stations are also out of power which means their pumps aren't running they can't sell you gas Okay. And however wide that is, that means, you know, if it's a 10 mile radius, wherever you drive 15 minutes, you get outside a 10 mile radius, every gas station that's open at that, the fringe of that circle is going to be packed with people. And it's hard to contemplate, but gas stations do run out of gas that can realistically happen. Um, so keep gas in your vehicle. And it sounds like an obvious thing, but I also know a hell of a lot of people that run theirs down to a quarter tank or less or people that don't fill their gas tank until the gas light comes out. Well, I got 25 miles. Like, yeah, it's really not the best way to do this though. Um, so maybe, I don't know, do better tires, right? Tread life on your tires. I know, um, Snow tires and snow muds, whatever, are your, your best bet. They're not always 100% necessary, but they they sure do help. Um, having a good set of all seasons in a lot of instances is enough. Um, but I mean, if you, you go to your local tire shop, you know, a lot of times those for a, a small fee, if you don't want to deal with it, they will store your tires for you and you bring them in at the change of seasons. They'll swap you over to your snow and muds and they'll store your all seasons or whatever. And then vice versa, when the season's change, they'll flip them back. Or they'll put them in baggies for you. You can store them in your own garage if you don't give a shit. Or if you have a jack and a lug wrench, you can change them yourself. You know, just regular maintenance. Make sure they're balanced and stuff and inflated and all that. Um, Not that big of a deal, but having quality tires is huge. Um, You know, and guys, keep a spare. Like, especially if you drive an older used vehicle, keep a spare that's in good shape. Uh, A lot of people... you know they don't touch their spare for the first 10 years or 15 years they have a vehicle so they never need it and then they get a blowout and then the old drop down mechanism for spares um rusts up and seizes and you can't get the tire to drop free and then you're screwed then you got to get a toe out or you know wait for somebody to come help you and that's why i think to a large degree people like the suvs and stuff they started putting the spare in the the back of the vehicle the floor panel lifts up and you store your spare under there and it's just a little screw down, tie down thing. So it doesn't rattle around and everything, which is a lot easier to, to play with than having to get underneath the vehicle and try and work with that drop down, you know, but, and, and a real spare, okay. A donut on a, a Jeep or a truck ain't going to get you anywhere. Right. So don't, don't think about that either. Even on a car, I hate seeing people doing 65 down the freeway with a donut on. It's like, it's irresponsible. <laughs> They're rated for like 35 miles an hour. It's just to get you to the closest repair shop but have a spare and check it, you know, dry rots a thing on rubber. So if it's more than a couple of years old, maybe go have it checked at your tire shop. They'll be more than happy to check it for free because on the chance that it's bad, that means they get to sell you a new tire and it's just one tire. It's an easy sale for them. And it takes their tire guy all of about, they don't have to balance it or anything because it's not going on a vehicle. It's going to take them all of about 20 minutes and they're going to make a hundred bucks or 80 bucks on it. So you know, they'll check them for free. You got to do the work to make sure that you're checking your shit and your vehicle's in good shape. Um, and then, you know, also make sure you're thinking about choosing your type of vehicle. I know right now, uh, lots of sales on vehicles and lease packages and stuff. And, with the stimulus packages we got, I, you know, I'd heard from friends that work in at auto dealerships and stuff that, you know, at least towards the middle half of last year, they couldn't keep inventory on the lots between the auto manufacturers being down on shutdown for the pandemic and people getting stimulus checks while they're still working on unemployment and, you know, whatever reasons go on. So people had extra money for down payments. Um, but if you're looking at getting into a different vehicle, um, you know, get, I, I, the best thing I can recommend to anybody is if you are in a smaller vehicle, it, like i had a an old saab 92x okay it was an all-wheel drive manual uh station wagon sat pretty low to the ground but it was all-wheel drive and i never got stuck in that thing same thing my brother had a subaru outback it was like a 98 or a 99 subaru outback wagon and he actually lowered his he slammed that thing um still never got stuck in the all-wheel drive downside you know if one of your tires goes bald or gets you know what has to be replaced you have to do all four um, you know, long story short, the differential will wear itself out trying to make up for the, the bad tread on one tire. Um, and it'll ruin your differential, um, with the all wheel drive. So just something to, to think about, but that's, that's why Subarus, which are, you know, the Saab 92X was essentially the Subaru Impreza wagon with different bumpers and stuff. Uh, just a little trivia knowledge there for you, but that's why I got it was cause it was all wheel drive and it was great in the snow. Um, but that's why they hold their value is because they they're all-wheel drive they're reliable you don't get you don't have problems with them um getting stuck now maintenance and everything sometimes they have some issues but that's why jeeps and trucks and suvs are all more expensive than cars and i know because i spent a couple years driving my fair share of lowered honda civics i had a hatchback i had a coupe like 2001 coupe that was slammed i mean you couldn't even get a you could barely get a pack of cigarettes under that thing um and i I ripped the bumper, the front bumper off of it a couple different times in the snow. And that's ultimately why I got rid of it. It just wasn't practical for Michigan weather. And I couldn't afford to have two vehicles living at my parents' house. Um, you know, I was trying to save money to, to, to get out. I, they wouldn't let me, my dad works for an American auto manufacturer. He wouldn't uh, let me park it in the driveway unless I was working on it. And then it was right back out in the street. So, um, ground clearance, clearance, I'm sorry, is, uh, is a huge consideration. Um, And also, you know, look at storage space and capacity, you know, a little two seater. I've seen people lift, it seems dumb to me, but I've seen people lift like Mazda Miatas and stuff, which is cool, but it still only holds two people and you have such a minimal trunk capacity. So while it might not get stuck, you're not taking much with you either. And you can tell, Oh, I can pull a trailer. I can do that. No, you bullshit. Okay. In the snow, probably not doing great with that car. All right. Um, That's why the SUVs are more expensive, why trucks are more expensive. You can take shit with you. You can take people with you. And if you're looking at a truck, realistically consider your cabin space, right? You got a lot of cargo space, but if it's just a regular straight cab work truck, you can at best fit three people in there. You know, my dad had an old Ram for a, a couple of years and there was six of us in the family. So anytime we went anywhere, we took mom's minivan. He could only fit and not even comfortably to an extent, three of us in the truck at once. He got he got rid of it. He wound up getting a big old Chevy Suburban, which we loved, but stuff to consider. Cargo and passenger capacity is a consideration. All right, you can put more stuff in there. Especially if you're going to, I don't say bug out, but you got to go to a different location where you're going to be staying for a couple of days until your heat and power and whatever come back up. Think about what you're packing up. Probably, if you had a an infant, you got tons of clothes, tons of blankets, food right? Uh, clothes for you and your wife, extra shoes, you know, stuff in the car in just in case, you know, like you don't, you, your normal uh, capacity uh, may not be, you know, uh, enough. If you got a little like crew cab truck, it may not be enough space in the back. It fills up pretty quickly. And then if you got a dog or something that you gotta take with you, cause you obviously can't leave them there to fend for themselves. They move around when you drive. They don't just sit in place like a child does. Well, some children do. Um, but also having an emergency kit in the car is huge. Uh, I have one, um, from live the creed. Uh, it's an emergency medical kit that attaches to the back of my headrest. It's got your very basic medical supplies on it. Um, it's got stuff like a and, a, and a, space blanket, uh, tourniquet, things like that. So again, you slide off the road, somebody does a rollover, gets in an accident or something, you have the basic medical essentials there to help or to, you know, provide to somebody else who may come along, who knows how to do it i saw a video somebody talked about uh they sell breach pens now you can use uh as a civilian you can cut people out of minor uh you know collisions and stuff like that that can be helpful now if you don't know what you're doing don't do it okay because a lot of times you can end up doing more more harm than good um but having stuff like that space blanket, uh, an extra jacket. My wife keeps an extra jacket of mine in the back of her vehicle. That way it fits either of us. Cause she's smaller than me and she can always throw that on over her jacket. If she's stuck on the side of the road or whatever, um, hand warmers are an easy one too, right? Cause they don't really start working until you break them open and, and shake them up. Um, and that little bit of heat, you can throw them in your boots. You can throw them in your gloves, uh, pockets, whatever that will help you know, it's not going to fix everything, but that little bit does help. Okay. Um, and while we're talking about clothing choices, make sure you're, um, you, you, you have the necessary clothing on hand. Okay. Up here in the, the Northern States, we, we have a little bit <laughs> more appreciation for it, but, um, you know, have that stuff, even if it is just for the winter emergency weather, uh, insulated clo- quality insulated clothing. Okay. Um, Merino wool, Used by a lot of hunters, um, comes from Merino sheep. It's great stuff. It's expensive, but it's, it's good for all climates just because the nature of it and how it, the animal itself uses it, uh, helps regulate body temp. It gets sweat away from you as vapor. It's good for all seasons. Um, you know, good for hunting and, you know, hiking outdoor gear. It's start. it's really popular if you start looking into it, but it is expensive just because it's one of those specialty type items. Um, but you'll be glad you had it when you need it. Um, it's like Gore-Tex, which is also expensive. It's an artificial, uh, fabric, water resistant, uh, not real, not really as warm. Um, but keeping yourself dry is pretty much number one on the list of how to retain body heat, right? So if it's snowing, if it's pouring rain out, you, you know, staying dry is, is key. Um, and both of those are pretty lightweight, because uh, I know a lot of us had those puffer jackets when we were kids—super They're super big and puffy—and they kept you warm, but like you could, it felt like you were the the stay puffed marshmallow man, right? Um, it just does not, not conducive. It's hard to get work done in those things. You just fit into small spaces. If you're on the side of the road, you got to slide underneath your car for something or whatever. You know, maybe you got to you futz around with that dropping that spare loose. It just not not as good right and then they tear open easily and the the stuffing the insulation whatever what's keeping the heat in starts coming out i mean just something to think about thing like your boots and your shoes waterproof or at least water resistant um socks socks are huge right wet feet um not good uh you know wet socks on your feet will tear up your skin if given enough time um, it's so keeping like, if you've got like an emergency roadside kit, throw an extra pair of socks in there, either for you or somebody else, it makes a difference. Uh, it's, I remember from back when I was doing like marching band stuff and, um, you, you know, we didn't stop for the rain cause we only had the week we were at camp or whatever. So you marching through puddles, your antenna shoes that are meant to breathe, to keep your feet cool rather than hold water out. So you come back and nothing felt better. I'm telling you, nothing felt better than a, a clean pair of dry socks it was like walking on clouds for that first 10 minutes. Uh, it was an amazing feeling. um but then you know your gloves, your hats, your scarves. Uh, make sure the hat fits. i don't know about you guys. i have a huge dome. um and my mother used to god love her, but she used to always buy us like in the children's section, she would buy us hats and gloves. and just because we were bigger kids and we had huge heads, the hat never came down below my earlobes no matter how hard I pulled or how hard I tried, uh, you know, so my earlobes always felt like they were about to fall off. Or I was gonna get frostbite cause the hat never fit. And then the gloves were so small. I felt like I couldn't get my whole hand in there. So as a result for years, I just, I went without hats and gloves, not a smart idea. I mean, I never got frostbite that I'm aware of, but, uh, from a comfort perspective, it really, really, really sucked. So, go out and get a decent pair of winter gloves. A lot of the stuff they have now, they got like the smart touch on. So you can play on your smartphone. It's good if you're only outside for 10 or 20 minutes, you know, at most and are just walking from the vehicle and the parking structure into your office building, vice versa. you are going to be outside for extended periods of time. You need something that's going to insulate and hold in heat. That's prime consideration is not if you can swipe left on your Tinder profile, right. Uh, or how fashionable it looks. Um, and yeah, scarves, you know, um, they, to me, I, you know, I had a, cause it cause it went with the overcoat that I had for work and stuff, but the more I, I use them now, it like, it plugs that gap, right. From your jacket up to your neck, uh, your neck, up to your head and everything. And that's where your heat mostly escapes is through that neck opening on all your shirts. Um, so plugging that with like a scarf really helps keep you insulated and warm. And it's, it's actually really nice. Um, but just stuff to think about. Right, you know. Uh, again, I don't think that most of the people that are dealing with all this stuff in the southern states are right now. They're recovering. They're not still dealing with it, but are recovering. Most probably never thought they'd see it in their lifetime, and many never did. You know, or, or probably probably won't uh, again. You know, and think about how bad this is on top of dealing with with being in a pandemic. You know, supplies and stuff are limited as is. Um, supply lines and and transportation and stuff is strained uh without all of this added on top of it so the more you can do to be prepared for these kinds of uh you know catastrophic life events the better off you'll be and the better off your family family will be so i hope this was helpful for you guys and you know kind of just shines maybe a light into what we do up here um as being used to this kind of weather um i don't want to say we got it all figured out because we do get pretty hot in the um in the summer months but definitely not the way that states like Nevada um you know and California and stuff can you know how hot they get and the humidity and stuff so I'm sure there's some some tips on the other side of that that I'm not uniquely uh privy to but cold weather we know cold weather up here okay um so hopefully uh, if you're not somebody in the Michigan area or maybe you are and this this just you know helped illuminate a couple light bulbs for you and give you some ideas on how you can better prep Uh, I made some considerations. Hopefully this has been helpful. I I sure hope if you're one of the people listening that was impacted uh, by the the weather that you're doing well and your family's all doing well and you guys are on the road to uh, recovering and getting back to, you know, I just hate to say it, but the new normal that we've come to embrace with, uh, with COVID. That's all I got for you guys. We'll have more coming at you next week. Until then, get out there and be prepared.